The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Trad Reviews on member-supported Restoration Radio. I'm your host, Stephen Heiner. On this episode, I am joined by Jason Guardiano and Danny Fitton. Jason, Dan, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. This episode is a members-only episode and is not available for individual purchase and download. To receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit truerestoration.org forward slash radio and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. Well, gentlemen, this is a, a while in, in the making. Uh, we talked about doing this last year, but obviously it was difficult over the Christmas period and everyone's kind of back to work now. And we can talk about this. Interestingly enough, we've never done a trad reviews on, on star Wars. And I suppose we knew that the movie was coming out and we knew that we would discuss it at some point in the future. And we're not the only Catholics in the world who like Star Wars. So I want to start by asking two questions. And Jason, you can answer first and then, and then Dan. How long have you liked Star Wars? And how, did, how do you think that relates to being a Catholic? Well, I've been a fan since the 1995 VHS tape release, if people remember those. Um, I was in Nova Soto Elementary School at the time, and I viewed it as, you know, just entertainment, you know, nothing, you know, just a harmless thing. And it's funny now that people kind of make it a replacement religion. Um, but as a, as a Catholic, looking back now, it was something that did take up a lot of time because you would... Uh, entertain yourself with the, the movies, you know, over and over. And then you'd uh, indulge in the soundtrack and the, the toys and the merchandise. Um, so in a way, you, you do see that as a cultural touch point, you know, this is the replacement saints, the replacement sort of devotion. I mean, looking at the series of movies as a Catholic now, you, you look at, you know, the good themes and the bad themes. Uh, I believe as a, when I was younger, I put a lot more meaning into it than was actually there in the movie, uh, a sort of, uh, you, know, you look at the themes of responsibility or sacrifice or, or counsel. Uh, but then you look, look back now in all of the Eastern religion influence, you know, the self into nothing, quote unquote, balance of the force, the glorification of evil, uh, the force is some kind of neutral, chaotic thing. And of course, all the political themes, you know, these are all things that, you know, as a Catholic now, you don't want to be a part of. <laughs> so I, uh, 
you know, I followed all the movies up until Revenge of the Sith, the 2005 movie, and then I kind of winded down, you know, with, with the movies because it was done. And in 2011, I finally, it was good to let it go and just, get, you know, not have to think about it. But then, uh, of course, now with the, the new movie and the Disney purchase, they bring it right back in. You know, obviously now as a, as a Catholic, it's, uh, you can be much more conscious about what it is you're actually watching. Yeah, I think I think I'll jump in at this point, Jason, because I um I've been in been a Star Wars fan or a science fiction fan pretty much as long as I can remember. I used to um, sit and watch them with my dad. You know, the original unedited um, pre George Lucas revisiting um, versions of Star Wars, and um, I also that's how my love of uh, science fiction came about, really, and. Um, so I, I I grew up, you know, um, bearing in mind um, I was a non-Catholic till nearly till well till about ten years ago. So I I, I grew up um, sort of pretending to be a Jedi and uh, wearing the hoods and um, playing around with the lightsabers with my friends um, and um, you know all that all that type of thing. And um, I think. Now looking back, I personally personally think how it would relate to me is um, I I do agree that in the modern world, uh, what well, how shall we say the the overtaken or the the indifference to religion has sort of uh, people have replaced um, Hollywood and movie going type situations and um, films and made them part of their lives and I mean I I built up quite a uh, quite a large collection of uh, Star Wars memorabilia um, mainly the expanded universe books and um, I kind of got in really deep into the mythos so um, I was a bit a little bit gutted as soon as George Lucas decided to sell up and then Disney uh, did a slap bang um, shall we say they out with the old in with the new type thing so um, yeah so um, approaching the episodes 7 and 8 and 9 um, I've, I feel a bit bit more trepidation than I did um, I did before Disney took over fair enough fair enough I, uh, well, for, for, I suppose there's, there's a limited number of people, Dan, who know who Grand Admiral Thrawn is, but, but if you know yeah. who he is, then, then you have the credentials to be on today's show. Um, <laughs> so, um, I know he has, he has blue skin and red eyes. <laughs> uh, one, one of my favorite characters. So I think I, I I'm going to, jump on to, to bits and pieces of what both you and Jason have said. I got into the series about halfway, uh, um, about halfway through the, the first trilogy. I, I actually never saw A New Hope until many, many years later. Um, my favorite episode, episode five, uh, when, when the, what I, I consider the good guys win, um, the, uh, was the first episode that I was introduced to and I had a, a little Millennium Falcon toy and 
I always tell my mother, I just wish I'd kept that. That would be worth just thousands and thousands of dollars today. But you'd um, probably be a millionaire. Right. <laughs> right. The investment I, in Star Wars toys. <laughs> right. Right. And that and that uh, leads into the, the next point. Uh, so I know that Bishop Sanborn is very much uh, not a fan of, of let's say, the universe of Star Wars. And when we chatted, when I chatted with him about it, it's this idea of of the new age. And I think it, it, it reflects our ages. So all of us are under 40 and we have grown up with this the sort of new age as a as something that's floating in the background almost not not harmful it's not immediately perceivable to us and and that just shows our age we we when we see the force we say oh this is a part of uh, the construct of this film but yes lurking back there there's a there's a bit of a challenge so uh, i i don't think you know it's it's immoral to like star wars but i do think we should reflect that there's a certain desensitization to some of these motifs because we've been raised in an age where these, these, these themes are, are, are very uh, prevalent. So for me, uh, I, I very much enjoyed Star Wars. I got a little bit into the extended universe, as I said, really just Timothy's on and a few other books beyond that. Uh, but I, I can't say that I own an encyclopedia of Star Wars somewhere in my house. Uh, or that I ever kept any of the action figures. I did have a Darth Vader piggy bank at some point, which I have to imagine would be very effective for uh, for keeping the money. In fact, if it had a special skill to like take the coins out of your pocket and put it in, I think that would have been even better. <laughs> but but for me, I think I I, I ha- it's a, it's a mixed bag. I think that I have a nostalgia attached to Star Wars that I felt when I was watching this new film. But I think too. As, as Jason pointed out, it, it is something that sucks people in, um, that really can suck people in beyond something that is, that is reasonable and healthy. Uh, and, and I suppose when it gets to uh, naming your children after characters, that's probably where it gets a little bit over the edge. So I don't, I don't think any of the, uh, the fitting children will be named Han or Leia, though. Right, right, Dan? Yeah, so my wife and I have had that conversation, and unfortunately, I'm uh, I'm not allowed. I would like a Luke, but I'm not allowed a Luke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do have the benefit of there actually being a Saint Luke, so that 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 would actually work out for for the both. I know, and that was, that was my argument at the time. However, I was so uh, <laughs> shall we say <laughs> she 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 knew the real story. Well, Jason, I guess the next set of questions I have is how did you feel about the prequels and obviously in relation to that the 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 original series four five and six how did you feel the prequels fit into that universe well with the prequels uh you know i i did enjoy them i i wanted the story to be filled in and completed i you know maybe i was used to liking things that weren't popular so when the backlash happened didn't affect me that much you know the the spectacle the lightsaber fighting the the storyline potential, the, the coming, uh, what is it called, a uh, train crash of Anakin's fall. As I said before about reading more into the films than, than maybe what's there, I always viewed the classic trilogy as, you know, you're, you're growing up, you know, you don't, you don't know your bearings, so you kind of figure things out. And then, of course, the revolutionary concept of 
oh, we're, you know, what, what our parents did is wrong. So let's, let's fix that. You know, but in the context of the story, you know, Anakin's redemption. And then the prequel trilogy being, uh, oh, we're grown up now. And so we need to make some important choices and then making all the wrong choices. Um, and kind of looking at this figure of Anakin that, um, is he, is he being so selfish that he can't just let things go and let things happen as they, as they will. And the irony of working against what he believes is going to happen, causing all the problems that he was trying to avoid anyway. Um, so I found in the end, the, the three films, serviceable and satisfying for what they were. I, I'm, I'm not going to be a person who's going to say, you know, those are our cultural films and they should be as, as we remember them. And, you know, there are movies. They're not Lucas's movies. Like, well, no, 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 they're, they're Lucas's movies. Uh, we just pay money to see them and buy all the merchandising. And, and of <laughs> course, to, to believe that, you know, the, oh, the, you know, Star Wars is so tarnished, you know, but then, you know, Disney goes and buys it for $4 billion. Right. Well, I, I suppose I, I'm, I probably take a harsher view than you. I, I often am quoted as saying that episodes one through three do not exist in my universe, uh, except for the end of episode three, where we see how uh, Anakin becomes Darth Vader. And for the lightsaber scene in episode one, which I think is the best lightsaber fight and probably will be the best lightsaber fight Um so I, uh, that's, that's the extent of the, the universe for me with the prequels. I'm not a big fan. I don't think I've seen any of the movies more than once, uh, which mm-hmm. is odd because I, I thought I, I, I bought episode three because I thought I'd like that the best of all of them, but I don't think I've ever seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, just the, the theme of three in that, you know, Anakin's looking for a father and he, Obi-Wan can't really help him, so he goes to, you know, the bad guy, you know, the evil guy. But just to show where Lucas's focus is, is kind of encapsulated in this little behind-the-scenes trivia that for us in Episode 4 in A New Hope, the big thing was Obi-Wan has Luke's father's lightsaber, and he's going to give it to him as a gift. And that's, you know, a connection with my father sort of thing. But Lucas, when he was making Revenge of the Sith, he almost forgot to have Obi-Wan pick up the lightsaber at the end of the movie, which is basically the one most important thing we wanted to see. So that just shows what Lucas's focus was when he made those three movies. It wasn't what we wanted. So I actually was one of those ones because the prequels came out at my, at the time I was uh, going through teenagerhood, uh, adolescence all the way through to adulthood. So I actually liked the prequels, all of them. Um, I'm not Jar Jar Binks' greatest fan, but I don't think Jar Jar Binks has any friends at all in the Star Wars world. So um, I, I enjoyed episode two really, really well because got, you got to see Obi-Wan Kenobi in his, um, in his role as a proper knight, you know, um, going on a secret mission on his own, taking down bounty hunters and all that sort of really cool space cowboy stuff. Um, episode three, I mean, to be honest, I think the calls, what they suffered from was everyone knew what the story was. Um, so you know that Anakin 
Skywalker's going to grow up, turn to the dark side and kill everyone. And um, so episode three is pretty much what it says on the tin. That's what happened. Um, I did really enjoy the winning soundtracks to all those, all three of those films because I, th- I feel he, he, I mean, he's a he's a talented composer and the way he can script music to um, the, the cinema um, just enhances the experience, I think. Episodes one, two, and three in relation to four, five, and six, I, I think four, five, and six stand alone and um, one, two, and three could have never have hoped to do that. But I do, th- I do think they're a very, very good set of films and very underestimated and underrated by modern day. I mean, there are some really good quotes from those films, you know, where Anakin Skywalker says to Obi-Wan Kenobi, you've turned her against me, and he just literally looks and goes, you have done that yourself. And I, I, really, I really think that's quite good to say to people, you know, in, in an <laughs> right. argument, you have done that yourself. Yeah, I agree. Now, for our, our last series of questions, I'm going to go first. And, and Nicholas Wansbutter is not joining us. And is always big for being the wet blanket. It's something that he really enjoys uh, doing. He enjoys being the wet blanket uh, for things. And so even though uh, Nicholas is not here with us today, he's with us in spirit, as I will take over the wet blanket role and say that uh, I was not a big fan of this movie. I think that it it plays a lot to the nostalgia of those of us who enjoyed it in our youth. Uh, we we like science fiction movies that involve blasters and spaceships and fights and stormtroopers. These are all it, it, it's it's something that's reliable goodness uh, for an American. This is the taste of a really good hamburger uh, for a French person. This is uh, steak fries uh, or cheese, really good wine. It's something uh, for for Jason. I suppose it would be chicken adobo. It, it's it's <laughs> something that is reliably good that you're happy to have a million times in this short life, right? So what we see in episode seven is essentially a repackaging of episode four, and uh, I'm sure Jason, you'll talk about this somewhat as well, but. We, we have a replacement of uh, Luke uh, in this character, Ray. We have the importance of a, a, a droid, this one droid having this, the secret to the whole universe. And for me, the thing that upset me the most, and, and my friend Brian Pauls was in on this, uh, I don't ever want to see a spherical object blown up again, ever. The Star, <laughs> Wars, Star Wars has never allowed to blow up a spherical object at the end of the movie. I I don't care what's going on. So if you like, if you like the original star Wars episodes four, five, and six, I think you're, you're going to like this because it, it has a lot of the same themes, good versus evil. Someone, you know, who doesn't know what cause they're really fighting for. They're kind of a lost soul. Um, And, and then we have all the hip cultural trends. So not only do you have the better technology to showcase everything better, but now we have a, a, a Joss Whedon-esque strong female character in the role of, of, of Luke. And we have a black guy also ostensibly to bring some quote unquote color to the Star Wars universe. 
uh, because it can't it can't be white anymore. So for me, generally, uh, I don't I don't really I don't really think of this as a really great great film. Uh, perfectly enjoyable, uh, very much uh, in the veins of let's say a Battlestar Galactica, an enjoyable, fun film, and. As far as my follow-up to this question, so my first question is, how, how do I feel about this movie and how does it relate to the future of Star Wars? They basically created their, they bought a cinematic universe and they have the money to take this out to the crack of doom, right? So we're going to have a Boba Fett standalone movie. We're going to have a, a young Han Solo movie. We're going to have, uh, you know, episodes eight, nine, 37, so the other thing you have to realize is Disney owns Marvel too. So the Marvel universe continues to blow up and expand and, and get even bigger, not just on the big screen, but on the small screen. So Disney is just capitalizing on all this intellectual property. And I think after a billion dollars made on the first one, I think $4 billion is looking to be maybe one of the biggest bargains ever. So I think that's, obviously something that uh, I think properly represents Nicholas's wet, wet blanket status. So I'll turn it over to you, Jason. <laughs> well, uh, with this film, I, you know, I, I pretty much agree that, you know, it's enjoyable. Um, but all of these factors, I mean, especially now after the happy ending of return of the Jedi that our replacement saints, you know, that were built up and victorious at the end of return of the Jedi. Now they've all regressed and they've failed they can't hold the marriage, their children, they can't keep them away from evil people. You know, there's a, you, you lose the satisfaction of the pre, of the movie that it's supposed to be the sequel to. Um, and this kind of brings me to the thought of the, uh, the Lord of the Rings, where at the end of the story, and this story, this part of the story, of course, not featured in the Peter Jackson film series, that the hobbits, they go through this whole quest and they return home better people and then they handle you know the the problems they have at home while our star wars characters they basically failed and i guess you have to do something if you're going to have a new film every year until until the end <laughs> so as i as i was alluding to earlier on in the uh, in the show i um i really enjoyed the expanded universe uh, the whole they, I mean, a whole team of writers under George Lucas's direction, and that's that's a point I think um, we'll come to later. So under George's direction, um, they fleshed out this entire, um, how should we say, you know, saga even even more. Um, so you know, Han and Leia got married, had twins. Well, they actually had three children, um, to, to a pair of twins and a son called Anakin, actually. Um, and Luke even got married, had a son. Um, Grand Admiral Thrawn came in, and those that trilogy was um, just sublime. I'd say is the best word to describe that. Um, so when Disney swept it away, I was a little bit like um, I felt that we're going into uncharted territory here because they Disney said when they took over. They, nothing is canon anymore. So everything Disney creates is canon. So 
all the effort I, I've spent reading into um, Luke and Leia and Han's adventures post Return of the Jedi got kind of wasted, to be honest. So it was a lot of wasted time for me. But the um, the ex- whole thought of it's new, and so everything on the in the build up to watching Episode Seven, the whole entire um, I, I didn't know anything, and I think I think the way they kept it a secret um, and the the details about all the characters were very very sparse. So when when they actually did, um, you know, every little tidbit. Um, so the the teaser trailer back in 2014, and then the teaser trailer earlier on in 2015. Um, everyone just all the fans and um, uh, I, I think the hype wagon started rolling, shall we say? And um, I found myself a little bit starting to get caught up in the hype wagon. So I I started uh, reading all the extra bits that came on the internet and um, found it my general excitement building up so much to say that I actually uh, pre-ordered a ticket um, way back in October last year before yeah as they were released. So I um I felt myself getting swept away and caught up in the, the hype and then as the, as we got progressively close to the film being released. I kind of got numbed and um, anesthetized by the actual um, the amount of junk and merchandise that were coming out. And um, so, when I went to view the film, I was um, I was sort of coming down from a high, having been caught up previously in the hype and the uh, the nostalgia, and then. When I watched the film, my overall impression or my overall feeling at the end of the film when the credits rolled was disappointment, I would say. As a as a Star Wars fan, I was disappointed because I've seen this film. I've seen... <laughs> we've seen this film, you know. A, a nobody from a desert planet finds an old man um, in a rust bucket of a starship, goes on a wacky adventure... The um, baddies are basically space Nazis with a giant super killer weapon um, that can blow up stars or suns or planets. And then they lead a a rogue mission to destroy this uh, planet killer. Um, There's a battle. The old man dies. And um, the young hero finds himself or herself um, with powers and um, a handful of X-Wing blow up a gigantic um, planet-killing weapon and then all happy in the end the end you know I've seen that film before and that was that was the impression I got um, was disappointment I think um, it was it was played too safe yeah and I like Wedge and Philly better than Poe anyway anyway. well To be honest, um, now that Disney's behind the creative direction, I've read some interesting articles that they may turn him into a homosexual. Uh, Poe Dameron, that is, not Wedge Antilles. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's, there's stirring because Disney are now, have now captured the minds and the, um, the ideas of an entire generation with this film. So uh, who knows what 
they could interject. And that's probably me being a little bit too cynical, but I think they, uh, it may may shape the things as to come in the future. It, it's a justified cynicism because they've already established a character of that sort in a, in the novels that are new canon upcoming to this movie. So it wouldn't be a surprise. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it wouldn't be surprised if they, uh, the, as to borrow a term from His Excellency, I think uh, they, they they drive the new age um, into us now, and the new age of uh, where anything goes, you know, diversity, equality, all that, all that um, nice things. They they drive that point home, and um, all the characters. I mean, one thing that I quite enjoyed about the expanded universe novels was that Hannah and Leia got married and they had this amazing marriage and when they when they first met in the film it was just like you know it was almost like two strangers meeting you'd think there'd be this, this you know if, it, if they were married before um, they would have had this emotional reunion and uh, everyone would have felt all emotional about it but the in the film in episode seven when they met it was just kind of like a wink and nudge and uh, we did good there didn't we and you know, that's, that's the kind of um, mental attitudes that they're, they're portraying for um, for couples, really. You, you know, you can have a fling and go your merry way. Hmm. I think, obviously, we've, we've quoted Bishop Sanborn here. I quoted at the beginning that uh, he said before, and he always says this, and he says this at least once a week, I feel like, culture is the great teacher of minds. And one of the things I try to do on Trad Reviews is try to bring out something positive. So when we talk about a film, we talk about a book, we talk about a movie, obviously we're not talking about books of saints. So we also do reviews of, of spiritual books on Trad Reviews. But if we're talking about a secular movie, let's talk about what, what positive can we take? Uh, obviously, you're the only one with children among the three of us discussing today, Dan. So if you're looking at Star Wars as something that can teach some good value, something we can bring into our Catholic universe, I think obviously Star Wars has that in terms of the, the battle between good and evil. I think that that's clear. Um, I, I, I don't really like this, uh, this uh, poor man's Darth Vader that we have uh, in this new trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's definitely... I think more of, a, more of a human Darth Vader. Um, from some of the outbursts and uh, lightsaber-wielding scenes he, he did in the film. Right, right. But the whole the whole story of Star Wars was the 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 children redeem the father. Now, in this version of Star Wars, the 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 son kills the father, and I'm thinking, well, where's the redemption in it? For this character, has he has he gone too far to be redeemed in the eyes of the galaxy? It is kind of the sermon with Kylo Ren, this who kills his father. Obviously, this whole idea of oh no, I'm feeling tempted to do good that I I know I shouldn't do these things, and it's such a bizarre uh, story point. It seems like that now they're introducing um, this struggle as a I don't know. It seems kind of. Uh, lightly because even the death was kind of uh i mean it was shocking but the end you know there's no mourning there's no result no payoff 
you, you would think Princess Leia would have been more upset about the death of her paramour than uh, she was apparently in the film. Yeah, I, I thought there were so many things about the ending that were dissatisfying. Um, the idea that uh, this trained Jedi is is going to get um, handled the way he did by this girl who's just figuring out that she's got Jedi powers is just not believable. It's It's not in any way believable that unless she's maybe the most powerful Jedi in the history of the Jedi Order, that this girl's never had any training and she's going to take on the head of uh, this order of uh, essentially um, nascent Sith. I, that's not believable to me. And this idea, what we saw, again, it was almost too brief of an impression, but this prayer to the dark side where he's, he's worshiping the relic of, of Darth Vader and he's praying for that. It didn't even, again, it wasn't even, if you're going to pray to the dark side, I mean, let's see some real prayer. It was almost just sort of a mumbling conversation, right? It wasn't even, <laughs> if, if you're going to go dark, I mean, go dark on me, but don't, don't, uh, don't go emo dark. It's just, it's, uh, I, I'm reminded of, of uh, our Lord's reaction to being lukewarm. Uh, and uh, that's, that's what Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren strikes me at. So, so again, going back to my question, though, what what positive what positive cultural messages can we can we carry from this? And apart from obviously some disturbing possibilities that Disney may introduce, is there a line at which you would not allow your children to see Star Wars if something like that happens? I think I would always see the film first. Um, uh, I mean, my my children are a little bit too young to watch Star Wars uh, Episode Four. Um, even that's rated as a, a universal. So, uh, um, I think the messages in this film, it, for me, is a bit conflicting. I mean, I would let them see it because um, there's no real immorality in the film. Uh, there's no impure images. Um, there's a couple of fight scenes, a little bit of violence, but um, I think I would let them view it. Positives, though, um, I guess I think I'm a little bit too cynical to try and take positives from the film, to be honest. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, just trying to, trying to think on that one. Well, uh, while he's thinking on it, Jason, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, there's kind of, uh, I talked about earlier about the, uh, kind of the failure of our beloved characters from the previous movie series that, uh, I guess there's kind of, a at least Han Solo, he begins to face, he faces his son, you know, that, that's, you know, instead of running away from him and avoiding him, going back to his old habits, kind of a complete regression of the character we saw at the very end of the previous film and the continuity that he had been willing to give things up and, and then, uh, and have this hopefully marriage with Leia. Um, but it's just, uh, it is hard to find some redemption because otherwise if you, I guess you have to look at the new characters and the situation they find themselves in that they don't know basically what's happened in the previous six movies because watching them and going, Oh, Luke's real, Han's real, the Jedi are real. 
it, you feel kind of silly watching it because as the outside viewer, you've watched six movies full of this stuff. Of course it's real. I'm tired of hearing that. <laughs> but, yeah. So uh, as a redemption, it, I mean, there's a perseverance there. I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, Finn, the character of Finn, the stormtrooper turned good, because that's quite an original character in the Star Wars world. And if we have to try and take a positive from the film, I would I would say um, from the opening moments of the film, uh, Finn, when he, he saw his battle brother um, with the blood-smeared handprint on the helmet and refusing to fire a weapon and murder innocent civilians and then going on a, uh, a wild ride in a TIE fighter with a guy he barely even knows. I think um, in terms of that, it's he had, you know, he could have followed orders and just massacred those people, but he looked and thought, no, I'm going to, uh, I'll do the right thing and um, rescue the pilot, then ended up meeting up with Ray and having the wild chase through the galaxy. Then when he got separated from her, he just concocted a, a plan, uh, quite a foolhardy plan to go and rescue her. So I, I think that's um, that's probably a good character to talk about rather than the, the, the checkered Skywalkers. And I think I actually I don't like the line that Poe would tell Finn, "Oh, you just need a pilot." You know, I think I actually like that idealism that Finn had. That no, it's the right thing to do. And well, and I also like the fact that you have to keep in mind he's someone who is programmed for evil. And, if, and obviously, we're not going to bore our listeners, ninety uh, percent of whom I'm sure are not as into Star Wars as we are with the, the specifics of the storm stormtrooper program, but. The idea is this guy is bred for bad things. And the idea that there's always a choice, right? And he wanted to get away. He was trying to get away from the whole thing and he ends up coming back. Uh, again, you always have a choice. And I think that's one of the best lessons we can take in this fight between good and evil. You have a choice to do the right thing. And, and that friendship is a big tie. I suppose that's a, a military theme that we see as well is that a lot of times, obviously, and you know that from your military experience too, that it's not necessarily the bigger cause, but sometimes the much smaller cause of helping your friends um, rather than, oh, I'm fighting for freedom or I'm fighting for the Republic. And I think that's the other thing is, obviously I'm a big fan of the empire, so I don't care what an entire planet of the Republic is <laughs> blown away. But, but again, we had no connection, right? So we see, we see all of these planets blowing up and well, we don't know anything about these planets, so we can't really care. So, sorry, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I, I really like the point that you brought up there, Dan, that, that yes, this character is someone who, who um, we can take some positive reinforcement from. I think, I think the problem is with this film, um, it, it tries, it's tried to introduce too many new things at once. So, J.J. Abrams, as a director, is um, very... He's, He's very fast-paced when he tells a film. So if you think back to the, the Star Trek film that rebooted a few years ago, and um, it was very uh, short, sharp, punchy. Um, with Star Wars, um, I think there's a lot bigger fan base, or a new fan base for Star Wars. So he, he's introduced a lot of things very, very quickly. So 
the villains are very comical, you know, they're very two-dimensional. Um, General Hooks's speech, you know, he seems to just get very shouty for no reason. Um, <laughs> I mean, the whole, the whole other theme I'd, I'd like to discuss as well is women. Um, so the powerful women. So prior to films, um, Captain Phasma, the Silver Armored Stormtrooper, was uh, sort of made out to be. There was a lot of hype surrounding her because everyone thought, yeah, she's she's gonna you know kick some bottom and uh, she's she's gonna be um, such a great character. But in the film, she never turned out. So the world was perceiving Silver Stormtrooper to be really amazing, but nothing really came through on film. And I think that's that's a quirk of the um, uh, trying to put as many characters as possible on the page before um, the story has actually begun. Yeah, I think I, I dislike it even more now listening to you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I already I was already the wet blanket of this episode. And uh, I think you've you made my blanket even wetter. I, I, don't, uh, I don't think I even like it as much as I thought I did. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you again for your time. Uh, I know that you're busy. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to discuss, I guess, the greater universe of Star Wars and to take some good lessons from it. And I can't say we will necessarily have a future trad reviews on the, the next Star Wars, but uh, we look forward to, Dan, maybe having you on on, on future trad reviews to talk about things that uh, that you enjoy thanks so much for joining us thank you very much for having me thank you we want to remind our listeners that uh you've been listening to trad reviews on member supported restoration radio all rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden to obtain permission please write to mail mail at truerestoration.org if you had any questions about this episode Feel free to write to tradreviews at truerestoration.org. Tell us that we're completely wrong and to tell us how and why we were completely wrong. We're happy to hear that. All of us here at member-supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful, or beneficial to you and to your faith. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple ave for our work the next time that you pray. For the Restoration, I am Stephen Heiner. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.